it turns out that plan A at quarterback just might be a go after all. Our Locked On Bearcats, your daily podcast on the Cincinnati Bearcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Off we go on a Monday, April 24th. Thanks so much for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen of every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. And on YouTube, we are part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am also here to tell you, my name is Alex Frank, by the way, in case you didn't see it on the screen. I am your host of Lockdown Bearcats, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. And I'm here to tell you that today's episode of Lockdown Bearcats is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. It is April 24th, and that means we are 131 days away from the Bearcats season opener against Eastern Kentucky Saturday, September 2nd from Nippert, historic Nippert Stadium. So it turns out that Emory Jones in Wake of the news of Ben Bryant entering the transfer portal, it just might be Emory Jones as the Bearcats' starting quarterback. And when I think about this, and it's still not official yet, but he will likely be this team's starting quarterback in 2023. And this is what U.S. Bearcat fans should want. His performance in the spring game confirmed, to me at least, that he can be this team's starting quarterback. And here's how I look at it. Emory Jones, if he is this team's starting quarterback, and it's not, again, it's still not official yet, but I am about 90% sure that Emory Jones is going to be the starter. The other 10% is reserved for if Ben Bryant comes back and then beats out Emory Jones in fall camp. But if Emory Jones is the starter, he's going to be able to mask a lot of struggles that this offense is going to have particularly in the passing game. And much of those struggles are going to be attributed to the offensive line. Anyone who was at the spring game, maybe you were, My one of my big takeaways from the spring game was that the offensive line is going to struggle mightily in pass protection. They cannot hold up long enough. You saw it on the first play. When Daniel Gresha came right in off the edge and strip-sacked Ben Bryant, this offensive line is going to have major struggles in the passing game. And... That is what is going to lead to this Bearcats team being driven through its running game. Emory Jones will add something to that with his running ability. It's going to open up Scott Satterfield's play calling. It's going to allow him to make plays off script. It's going to give Satterfield that sense of comfort that if a play breaks down, that Emory Jones can do something with his legs. Now, Wide receivers are going to have to find ways to get open. That's going to be difficult to do against Big 12 corners. These are not American Athletic Conference quarterbacks. Then again, Sauce Gardner did get drafted in the first round. He came from Cincinnati when they were still in the American. But as I've said, Cincinnati, for the better part of the last five years, has played like a non-mid-major program. That's a terrible way to put it. Not a mid-major program, but a Power 5 program. So... Emory Jones fits with this offense, will need to do to be successful in the Big 12. Running the ball and him being a dynamic quarterback, I think, helps too. This was the plan all along. And it's what's best for this offense. That I have no idea 
of how they're going to do this season. I really don't. I don't know how this offense is going to score. I don't know how this offense is going to be able to keep up in games that become high-scoring affairs. I don't know how the offensive line is going to be able to hold up against Big 12 defenses, which over the years has been given, yes, a bad rap because there are so many high-scoring games in the Big 12. But then again, you look at defenses like Kansas State, the Bearcats don't face them this season, but you look at defenses across the Big 12, they have been better over the years, or recent years, I should say. You're going to have to find a way to score points. Now, the good news is you don't play a Big 12 game until Week 4. You have a tune-up game for that at Pitt. I wouldn't necessarily call that a tune-up game. I'm just saying in terms of Big 12 play. That's going to be a big test for the Bearcats in Week 2. But I truly believe that this offense is going to struggle in a lot of areas, not just pass protection. They're going to struggle with having that big play receiver. This will be the first year really since 2019 that they don't have that big play receiver. Alec Pierce, Tyler Scott, and Trey Tucker have been those guys for the last three seasons. This year, you don't know who that's going to be. There's a lot of transfers and a lot of guys on the roster who have not played a lot of college football. Combine that with a new quarterback. It's going to be very, very challenging. But the good news is this. When you have a dual-threat quarterback in Emory Jones, you have that sense that he can mask a lot of the issues that the offensive line has. Maybe there'll be some... Dis- I, 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 In fact, not maybe. I'm willing to bet you that there will be design quarterback runs in this offense. I firmly believe that. There will be. Because the Bearcats know that running... See, and this team knows they have to run the football. And the and the great thing is, that's what's worked for the last 20 years. Running the football. Emory Jones is going to bring that ability to this offense. When he transferred here, when he committed here as a transfer, it was presumed that he was going to be the starter. That kind of got a little murky in the spring. But ultimately, Ben Bryan transfers. And now, based off of what he did in the spring game, which... He did throw two non-red zone touchdown passes, and that's a plus for me, given that he has struggled as a passer in the previous two seasons of his of his college career. But given that he is a dual-threat quarterback, and given what Scott Satterfield worked with for four years at Louisville, this was the presumption, and maybe the assumption, when he, when he committed here, Emory Jones. Now, it's got the opportunity, heavy opportunity, to become or to come into fruition as the Bearcats' starting quarterback, Emory Jones. Coming up, let's get into expectations for Emory Jones. We do that after I explain to you how this episode of Lockdown Bearcats is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Grand slams, no hitters, and double plays are back, and there's no better place to get in on the MLB action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. That's because right now new customers can step up to the plate with a no-sweat first bet. Up to $1,000. Just go to FanDuel.com. Excuse me. FanDuel.com slash locked on. Sign up. Place your first bet. And get up to $1,000 back. Excuse me. In bonus bets if you don't win. So don't miss your chance to get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. When you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. FanDuel, 
an official partner of Major League Baseball. Locked On's NFL Mock Draft Special is here, and it's bigger than ever. Follow along all 32 teams' first pick in a six-episode Ultimate Mock Draft experience. Only Locked On can deliver. All episodes are available now on Locked On NFL Draft on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. And, of course, we are anxiously awaiting to see where, how many of the six Bearcats, and hopefully all six, who were invited to the NFL Scouting Combine last month are taken in this weekend's NFL draft. We will have much more on those Bearcats later this week, right here on Lockdown Bearcats. So, Emory Jones and expectations for this offense. What I would advise you to do as a fan, and I'm going to do this too, is to keep your expectations low. And I say this for two reasons. One, you won't be, I won't be disappointed, and maybe we'll be surprised by what Emory Jones is able to do. Number two, he's not going to be like a Malik Cunningham or other really good dual-threat quarterback, I don't think. Now, I will say this. If you've looked through his game logs, you'll notice that 2022 was a miserable year for him running the football. I don't think rushing-wise this year it's going to be like that. It can't be. It, it simply cannot be. Unless he's Ben Bryant running the football, which I don't think he is. If he did what he did in 2021, which, by the way, came in the SEC— I think he can have a very good rushing season in 2023. Again, I don't know how this offense is going to be or look. I'm not saying that Emory Jones is the next Desmond Ritter when it comes to running the football, but he is going to have his chances. He is going to have his chances. So what for you? And I asked this question to myself yesterday. What's a reasonable preparing for the show? I asked myself this question. I'm going to ask you this. What's a reasonable amount of rushing yards per game for Emory Jones that you would like to see from him? For me, it's 30 to 40 rushing yards because that's three to four first downs worth of rushing yards. And if you think about it in terms of a possession, three first downs is 30 yards. Luke Fickle talked about, and there was there were signs up in the in the Bob Goyne meeting room. Luke Fickle talked about, Luke Fickle had posted that two first downs flip the field. So three first downs completely flips the field. And if you're talking about, let's say you start on your own 25-yard line, three first downs get you into opposing territory. Four first downs would get you to the opponent's 35-yard line, and then you're in field goal range. Now, we'll see how much of a difference in a game three to four, three to four first downs make, but I'm saying that if you have 30 to 40 rushing yards, that'll amount to anywhere between 360 and 480 rushing yards in a 12-game season. For reference, Malik Cunningham's lowest rushing total in Louisville was 497. Desmond Ritter's lowest rushing total in his four years as a Bearcat starter was 355. That was back in 2021. Now, obviously, the Bearcats' offensive line was much better in 2021, so was the receiving core. But Louisville's offensive line in 2022, and I could not believe this when I looked at their cumulative cumulative stats. Say that word five times fast. I couldn't believe this, that Louisville's offensive line only allowed 26 sacks in 13 games. 
So what does that tell us? Well, and I didn't watch Louisville last season. Now, I did watch them one time. I went to their game against Clemson with my sister and her friends. So, my sister goes to Clemson, filling in the, the blanks there of that story. So, I, I didn't watch Louisville outside of that game. But, let's say, but here's what I think about it. Even if Louisville's offensive line wasn't great, the fact that they only allowed 26 sacks should tell you that Malik Cunningham was able to mask the deficiencies of their offensive line. If they had a good offensive line, Malik Cunningham made it better. I mean, 26 sacks allowed through 13 games, that's only giving up two per game. Now, that is still two per game. And here in Cincinnati, where we love to talk about offensive line play, that still might rub people the wrong That still might not sit well with people. But what I'm saying is, if Malik Cunningham was only sacked 26 times last year, and his lowest rushing total was 487, then, and, and that, from what I remember, was 2018. He, did, he played five seasons, and I did not know that until yesterday. I had not realized he had been in Louisville for five seasons. And that 2018 Louisville team was terrible. So you can look at Malik Cunningham's game. You can look at Malik Cunningham's rushing totals from when Scott Satterfield was there in those four seasons. So if we look at Malik Cunningham's rushing total from the four years that Satterfield was there, he had, so he had 497 in 2018. His lowest rushing total with Satterfield was actually lower than 2018, and that was 482 in his first season, which was Satterfield's best season at Louisville. He had 1,040 in 2021. Louisville went 6-7 and seven that year. He had 609 in 2020 when Louisville was 4-7, and seven, and then 593 last year in a 7-5 and five season for Louisville. So, the point is, Emory Jones, if he can have that kind of production running the football, not even 500 yards, this offense can be better than what's expected. This is the first time since probably 2017 where you're not expecting much from the offense. And if you expected a lot out of the offense in 2017 like I did because you were so excited about Luke Fickle coming here, which is completely understandable, don't make that same mistake to yourself again. Because I'm here to tell you, even with an offensive-minded head coach in Scott Satterfield, this offense is going to struggle. Maybe not against DKU, maybe not against Miami, but certainly when they go on the road to Pitt, and certainly when they host Oklahoma and go to BYU. Get through those first five weeks and you show signs of progress, okay, we can talk about this offense being somewhat good over the final seven games of the season. If we get to the bye week and the offense shows signs of progress, that's going to be great. If we get to the bye week and we're saying everything we thought, everything we were concerned about this offense is coming into fruition, I shouldn't say coming into fruition, is showing up, then we're going to have some issues. Then we're going to question the rest of the season, the final seven games. But I think this offense with Emory Jones as its quarterback is going to be able to run the football, which in years past has been the driving force behind 
the Bearcats offense. So again, keep your expectations low. Rushing-wise for Emory Jones, it's going to be like 2021. And if he can keep the turnovers low, he has had trouble with turnovers in the last two years. This offense is going to have the opportunity to get better as the season progresses. This offense is going to be a lot like the Cincinnati Reds this year. And yeah, they're another story. But the Bearcats offense is going to be a unit that must squeeze every trip out of the orange. They are going to have to do everything right, be a sum of their parts, as McCronin used to say, a sum of their parts and not make dumb mistakes. They will make mistakes. Emory Jones will throw interceptions. He's not going to be like Tom Brady, who only threw four in 2010. Or he's not going to be like Aaron Rodgers, who only threw two in 2018. He's going to make mistakes. It's his, And the Bearcats offense will make mistakes. Just don't make the dumb ones. That is going to be what keeps the Bearcats in games. Because the defense, as I've said many times, will give the Bearcats a chance to win every game this season. Russ and I were talking about it last week. There is no game on the schedule where you can say, easy L. Not even Oklahoma. And I'm telling you that. And you can say, oh, come on, you're so optimistic. You don't have a little realism inside of you. Well, I'm optimistic. I've seen the Bearcats pull off upsets. You've seen them pull off upsets. That's what's gotten them here to the Big 12. So there's a lot to like about Emory Jones being the starter. And he doesn't have to be great. He just has to be solid and as mistake-free as possible. Sorry for my allergies. Coming up, I'll tell you who the real winners are in Emory Jones being the starter. And I'm talking about what it could mean for the Bearcats in 2024 and beyond. We'll get into that. Obviously, Emory Jones being the starter, the biggest winner in this is Emory Jones. But it's also a win for Evan Prater and Brady Drogosh. Let's talk about Evan Prater. Here's a guy Evan Prater can learn from. He's athletic. Emory Jones. Emory Jones has played at the Power 5 level. He's experienced. He Jones can teach Prater how to be better at practice, which will ultimately hopefully get him to play in a game, if not this year in 24. And here's the thing. Let's say Emory Jones... God forbid, gets hurt. His skill set, Praters, could allow him to come in and the offense doesn't have to change or skip a beat. And learning behind Jones, Prater should focus on 2024. He's not going to be the starter this year. For the first time, and I'm going to hit on this a lot tomorrow, Ben Bryant is not a distraction for Evan Prater. For the first time in Prater's career, Ben Bryant is not a distraction. Not only is Jones starting to win for Prater, but Bryant transferring is what's best for him. Bryant was a distraction for him, think about it, at the most critical juncture of his career. Prater wasn't going to start in 2020 or in 21. He was going to maybe start last year. Then, obviously, things went in a different direction. Brady Drogosh. The luxury that Drogosh has is time. And he's got mentors in front of him. There's no pressure with Brady Drogosh. 
He's not going to start this year. But he's only a, what? This is only his first spring and summer and first season. He's got plenty of time to learn, develop, and there's no pressure on him to start this season. We saw what he could do in the spring. It's great. I mean, the connection he has with with Barry Jackson already, as Russ said, to me in the press box at the spring game, you were looking at a lucrative, lucrative connection over the next four years. And I came away with that like, wow. That's what you're going to get. But again, there's no pressure on him to start this year. He likely won't start this year. He may not even see a lot of playing time this year, but you will hopefully see the growth and development that could make him a prime option for the starting quarterback in 2024. There is so much to get to this week. I am excited to be here with you as always right here on Locked on Bearcats. Still five days a week from now through the end of May. So we got plenty of stuff to get to this week, especially on a week like this where the NFL draft starts on Thursday night. Speaking of which, Thursday, I'll have a draft weekend preview. Bearcats in the draft, where they could fit. Which teams do we want to see draft the Bearcats that are in the NFL draft? And then on Friday, I'm going to do a one-year anniversary special of Sauce Gardner getting drafted, the first Bearcat to be drafted in the first round since Greg Cook in 1971, and what it's meant for the program, what it meant for it now, then, now, and what it will mean down the road. And the same is true for Desmond Ritter, who was recently named the starting quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons. And by the way, I love this. He changed his number to number nine, Desmond Ritter. So that's Thursday and Friday. You might be asking me, well, what about Tuesday and Wednesday? Well, I got you covered Tuesday. I'm going to talk about why Ben Bryant transferring is actually the best thing to happen for the future of the Bearcats program. And a distinction, there's a distinction recently given to the Bearcats men's basketball program that's going to result in me doing something I've never done on the show. Stay tuned for that tomorrow. Wednesday, Zach Freeze from Pro Football Focus and the Freeze Frame Podcast. And, of course, my former co-host at Bearcast Media, former commentating partner, of course, a friend as well. And Sean McMahon, another good friend of mine, my successor at Bearcast, a sports director and current iHeart Media Cincinnati producer, will join me to discuss all things Emory Jones, Ben Bryant, Emory Jones, Ben Bryant, the NFL draft, and the distinction given to the Bearcats men's basketball program that I am going to do something I've never done before on this show. So stay tuned for that. And of course, Thursday afternoon, Russ Hellman and I will do a live room draft day preview, what he thinks about Emory Jones, and all content related to the Cincinnati Bearcats. I am on Twitter at Frankie underscore Natty with two N's, N-N-A-T-I, Instagram, AlexFrank9 underscore, and email, Alex3Frank at gmail.com. Thanks for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen every day. For you everyday listeners, tomorrow on the show, as I mentioned, why Ben Bryan transferring is the best thing to happen for the Bearcats, the future of the Bearcats football program, and the distinction given to Bearcats men's basketball recently that is going to cause me to do something I've never done before on this show. Stay tuned for that. Have a great rest of your Monday. Have a great start to the week. And I will talk to you tomorrow right here on Lockdown Bearcats, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.